Well, thank you for speaking. We're looking forward. Okay, small crowd, but that does not change the, t the impact of the topic. Okay, so you'll share these ideas with your friends. We're good? Okay. Uh, okay, so my name's Rabbi Schumann, Shmuel Schumann, for those who don't know me. So I'm involved with uh, the, the yeshiva, Skoki Yeshiva, for many years as a Rebbe, and, and more lately as a, an administration. Uh, but my true passion is teaching, specifically teaching Torah. That's what I love doing more than anything else. But I have a side thing that I love to do, and that is trying to teach people about certain experiences in life that if someone would have just taught me these things, I would have been so much better off. And I wish someone would have done that, so therefore I like to take the opportunity to share those things with other people so that they don't have to make the same mistakes and they can you know, take advantage of someone else's experience. And there's two areas which I, I like to do that. One is preparing guys from, for the transition from being single to dating and then getting married. Uh, that's a transition. It's a transition, I'm sure, if it is for girls also. But since I understand guys a little bit better, so I kind of focus on, on that. Um, and the other thing is, is trying to help people prepare going from, I guess, the, the college world or the seminary world into a job. Uh, I think that if people would understand better uh, what it's like to be in the workforce and to be in a, you know, a, a corporate environment and to know how to act as a Jewish person, uh, that's also a great thing for people to know how to do. So when I have the opportunity to do that, to help someone transition from the, uh, the, the world of you know, being in high school and seminary, and then now all of a sudden you're in, the, in, a, in a totally different environment, to try to give the training and the, you know, explain how to go about that, how to interview, and how to conduct themselves on a job. These are the things that I like to talk about. So specifically, I'm going to talk about tonight this idea of transitioning a guy from the yeshiva world that many guys are used to, uh, whether it's you know, Israel or yeshiva college or yeshiva, uh, to transition them into what it's like to um, interact with uh, dating, what it's like to interact eventually with a wife. And so just sort of to, to frame what I'm about to tell you, uh, I titled this <clears throat> Secrets from the Other Side, Male Relationship Tips Women Should Know. So, you might need to correct me along the way if you think that this is not what we should be telling guys. Uh, but these are some of the things uh, that uh, the information that, that we get comes from Torah sources, uh, some of them. There's one particular Torah source, which when I was a chassan teacher for many years, I always, always told, told my chassanim, it's mandatory reading, the Rav Chaim Friedlander. Rav Chaim Friedlander wrote a famous sefer. You know what it's called? Anyone? Sif Chaim. Okay, he was a, a Talmud Mufak of Rav Dessler. So he wrote a sefer, a little pamphlet called Viadata Ki Shalom O'Alecha. You should know that, you'll know that Shalom is in your, in your tent. So it's a very small pamphlet which kind of addresses these points to tell guys this is what it means, how you interact with a girl, how you interact with a wife. Uh, and I thought that was very helpful and for me personally, and I would share that with the chassanim that I taught. And there's also a number of excellent secular books uh, that deal with relationships. Um, for example, uh, there's a famous book by John Gray, Men Are From Mars, Men Are From Venus. Okay, that's one famous one. Uh, John Gottman is the expert on marriage and relationships. He's written dozens of books. Uh, interesting that he is, he is the guru on this topic. He's also from, from Jew. He wears like a, he's very modern orthodox, wears like a little, small little yarmulke wherever he goes. Uh, but he is also the guru. He wrote a book called Seven Habits of Highly Successful Marriages. And another one, 
that I really like to draw upon uh, is Gary Chapman's book, The Five Love Languages. If you're familiar with any of these books, then you know a little bit what I'm talking about. Uh, so there's a lot of different levels. Um, and one of the things I did many years ago is I trained with Shalom Ta Task Force. Uh, the goal was to train, I guess, educators how to give workshops uh, for young married couples, older married couples to help them improve their relationships. So I trained with that, and then for about two to three years, uh, Robertson, Michal Cohn, and I uh, would give workshops uh, to young couples, and older couples as well, uh, again, helping them strengthen and improve their marriages. Uh, so this is kind of uh, you know, some of the things that I draw on. But what I want to focus on right here now, again, looking at my audience here, is not so much about marriage tips and, you know, specifically, because there's certain things that you, you only can relate to when you're kind of in that situation, when you're married a year or two. Uh, we did couples that were five and under. We did couples that were 10, and, 10 years married and over. Certain things when you're in it, you understand it better. So I want to focus a little bit on, you know, transitioning a guy from the yeshiva world into relationships, into dating, into getting married. What does that mean? And to try to focus on some of those things, what we tell guys they need to understand about you, ladies, okay? And if we're wrong, then I would recommend let me know so we don't continue and perpetuate the lies. Okay, here we go. A little tricky subject, but I think we'll have fun doing it. So one of the things that uh, Robinson Cohn said, she would start off some of the, the lectures, she would say, the question is, how, how do you say life in Lashon HaKodesh? How do you say life? Chaim. She pointed out, notice that it's plural. Chaim is a plural word. Okay? It's not chai, you say chaim, lechaim. Okay? The indication is, or the implication, is that life is meant to be lived in context of other people, in context of relationships. Relations with Hashem, on one hand, but also relationships between uh, people. And we know, the Pasuk says, a person should not be alone. It's not good for a person to be alone. So life is really defined in context of a, plural, a plurality of relationships. So that's why it's important to get good at them and to understand how they work, whether it's friends, whether it's you know, with guys, whatever it is, guys and girls. But relationships are extremely important. Now, I think what's really important in relationships is expectations. Okay? If you have realistic expectations things go a lot smoother. It's when you don't have realistic expectations, that's when disappointment sets in. So, for example, one of my friends in Chavrusas, <clears throat> Mr. Bruce Leon, if you know him, so he budgets every year to have three speeding tickets. So he makes sure that, you know, in his budget, he is going to speed and he's going to get three speeding tickets a year. So when he gets speeding tickets and, you know, they're $100, whatever it is, so, okay, it's, he budgeted for it already. It's like he expected it. You know, like for me, if I get a speech, I'm like so upset, $100, thrown down the, the, the tube, you know, for what, you know? But him, nope. Okay, because the fourth one, that's a problem. But three, okay, he's budgeted for three. So it's important to, to know what expectations are. They, that helps smooth things over. So I'll tell you a very interesting story. <clears throat> You've probably never heard this story. Um, but in expectations, so when I was learning halachas of getting married, and I had a chassan teacher. So there's, of course, halachas that you talk about, but then there's hashkafa, okay, the kind of things that, you know, chassan teachers tell guys, you know, you got to understand this is what a girl is like, okay, that kind of thing. So we were talking about all kinds of things, and he threw in this, like, 
seemingly senseless tip to me. And I was like, okay, why are you telling me this? It's ridiculous. Here's what he told me. He said, I'm just telling you that one day, you know, you can get married. Hashem, Hashem shall bless you with children. One day you're going to come home, or you may come home, and you're going to come home, and you're going to the house, and your wife's going to see you. She's going to take one look at you, and she's going to throw up. I said, what are you talking about? He goes, you know, it just happens, you know. God willing, she'll become pregnant, and she'll take a look at you, and she will throw up. I said, that's crazy. She goes, no, it can happen. Just, you know. Sure enough, a few months into marriage, I come home one day, I walk in the house, she looks at me, and she just turns and runs to the bathroom and throws up. I said, what happened? She goes, I don't know. I just looked at you and it made me nauseous. I'm like, what? She goes, yeah, that's what happened. So I was like not totally like insulted, a little bit, but not totally insulted because I had that expectation. So someone had warned me that might happen. And sure enough, it happened. I don't know if that happens often to other people, but that was my story. Okay. Now, men versus women. Okay, they are different. Okay, despite what, and this is again what John Gray wrote his book all about. Uh, despite what modern society likes to tell us is that there's no difference, everything's the same, and the same gender, and same gender bathrooms, and you know, there's nothing difference between them. You know, men, men and women uh, are different. Uh, they, on one hand, you could say they, they speak the same language, but I would say that they speak the same language, but it's a different dialect, okay? And that a guy has to understand that communications with guys and communications with girls is different. And that's something we want to, and we try to stress, that guys have to understand, and I'll tell you more about that. But Robinson Cohn would say, when we would have these, uh, these uh, workshops, that even, you see Lashon HaKodesh, right? You look at Lashon HaKodesh, there's a different way we speak to one gender over the other, right? It's at or ata. It's ohev or ohevet. So we see even, and that's Lashon HaKodesh, right, which is the holy tongue. And so we see that there is a different way one speaks to a male, one speaks to a female. That tells us that there is a difference. And like I say, it might be the same language, but it could be very often a different dialect. Another example where there's a difference, and I will touch upon this, um, is how men and women go shopping. Okay, there's the famous thing that, you know, that women like to, uh, like to uh, gather and men like to hunt. Okay, I'll explain a little bit that, what that means, okay, how that plays out in real life. But the main thing is, is that we try to train a guy to understand uh, that a girl is not just a female chavrusa. Okay? A female chavrusa is like, okay, so instead of in, you know, in the base medrash, instead of learning the sugya, you know, about some gemara, so you just have a female chavrusa and you learn, you know, like a sugya of life. You know, it's the same kind of thing. It's just, just it's a female chavrusa instead of a male chavrusa. No, guys, it's not the same. And you don't talk to her the same way you talk to your chavrusa, right? Your chavrusa says something stupid. So you say, you know, that is the stupidest svara I've ever heard. Such shtus. You know, like you talk, you know, guys talk to each other. Like, no, you don't talk to your wife like that. That's not the way you do it. And then guys also think that, okay, so I'm just changing, like, my male roommate for a female roommate. Like, it's just like, you know, instead of being a male, it's just a female. Like, it's just a different roommate. No, guys, that's not how it works, okay? You like to live in this, like, man cave, 
and you have no order in how you do anything, and it's a crazy mess. You know, but she actually might like to have like a nice-looking home. So you need to understand that you're not trading in a male roommate for a female roommate. Okay, it's different. It's a different type of setup, a different type of thing. It's not the man cave you're used to. Okay, so let's talk about some of the areas uh, which we would, you know, try to tell a guy about because he just doesn't get it. Okay. First of all, let's talk about shopping and clothing. Okay? Guys just literally have no clue. They don't understand. So there's a few areas. First of all, they don't understand the amount of clothing that a woman needs. Okay? So, you know, for a guy, okay, especially a yeshiva guy, so you know, what is there? You know, it's like a white shirt, a black pants, you know, like a, a jacket, maybe a winter jacket, a summer jacket, uh, a sweater, who knows, uh, some sports clothing some shirts, like whatever. It's like, it's not like a big deal. Like they don't understand. Like, you know, women need different types of clothing and there's different styles. And by the way, those styles change. And shoes, yes, she does need different shoes. You need one pair of shoe, you know, to wear, like maybe two, you know, gym shoes and like a regular, three, maybe. A, but no, she does need shoes that match her clothing. Like they understand, why do you need all these shoes? And there's makeup and there's hair and there's hair accessories. And, you know, for example, I remember when I first got married, I learned like, that something like is too trendy. Like, I don't know what that meant. No, I can't get that because it's too trendy. Okay, what, what is that supposed to mean? I mean? You probably all know what that means, of course. Like, but I don't understand what that means. Okay. Oh, it means that like, no, it's going to go out of style very quickly. So all these types of things, just the, simply the amount of clothing, like a guy just simply doesn't understand that. And then you go to the cost. The cost of the clothing. Okay, so it's not just a lot of extra clothes, but some of the stuff costs a lot of money. And then you tell them about what a shaitel costs. <laughs> They're like, what? You gotta be kidding me. And then, and then she needs a fall. Fall? What's a fall? Right? So they just don't understand any of these things. Okay? And you have to explain it. And then is that you'll hear a girl say, um, I have nothing to wear. I have nothing to wear. And a guy just doesn't understand it because there's a closet full of clothing. So what do you mean you have nothing to wear? So I can tell you, I still don't really understand that so well. When like my daughters like tell me that after the credit card bill comes in and it's very very high, what do you mean you have nothing to wear? But you know, you have daughters and you're married for you like it just means that she hasn't found something that really just works for her for this situation for this event for this weather. Okay, okay, I don't understand, but I understand that I don't understand, which is a mila. To understand that you don't understand is important. So they just don't get that. And they also don't get the fact that it takes time to get dressed. You see, for a guy, he gets, wants to get ready for a wedding. So it takes 10 minutes, whatever. You know, you throw in a suit, shirt, pants, whatever. That's it. No, for a girl, it takes time to get married, to get, to get, get ready, excuse me, to get ready for a wedding. I'm thinking wedding. It takes time to get ready for a wedding. So I learned this, of course, you know, the hard way because I'm just looking at my watch. I'm just to go to a wedding. What's taking so long? You know, we we're running late, and I'm getting upset, and it's like, you know, it's just taking a long time. It doesn't happen overnight. So I learned to do a couple of things. First of all, I learned to tell little white lies about what time we really needed to leave, okay, so that helped in certain situations. Uh, and then, you know what else? I figured out that, so what if we're late? They're still going to get married. We'll still get some food. We'll still meet people and have a good time. So I realized it doesn't really matter if we're late because, okay, so we're late. We go to a wedding a little late. It doesn't matter. Nobody, uh, you know, has been affected by me coming a little bit late with my wife. Okay. And so that's another thing guys just really just understand because for them it just takes very, very short time and they just need to understand that. Um, as I mentioned, shopping. So shopping, you know, women 
they like to look around and browse and see what's for sale. They're not necessarily going to buy anything. You know, they might buy something, but you still look. And this is a whole very big foreign concept to a guy because a guy, when they go shopping, like it's like a necessary evil. If you really have to go, you just go in there, you get what you need, and you get out of there. It's kind of like going to a dentist. Okay? You got to go, you go, you do what you got to do, and you get out of there. Okay? You don't hang around in the dentist's office too long. Okay? But again, that is something that guys just simply don't get, and you have to explain that, no, you need to understand that it's a different way. So one of the things, like when I got married, um, so I realized my wife likes to go shopping and browsing and look around. So I realized it makes her happy, and it's a good time for us to connect. So run with it. Just run with it. So we'll go to the store, we'll go to the place, we'll look around, and uh, yeah, you know, whatever, it's just something to do. And, you know, so it's not, it's not a big deal for me, even if I'm not buying anything, because if I'm buying something, I'm getting out of there quick, okay? That's that. Um, commenting on her clothing. So this is where men get into a lot of trouble. Okay, so first thing we'll tell uh, guys going out. You know, certainly well into the dating. Unless things, you know, are going to like a fourth date or fifth date, don't comment on her clothing or her looks. Like, that's like kind of off base, you know, that's, that's, that's out of bounds. You know, don't do that. But even when you're married, so it's a real tricky situation because if you give an opinion, you can get into trouble. But if you don't give an opinion, then you don't care. Like, don't you care like how I look? Like, what, what, you don't want to like comment, this skirt versus that skirt, does this match the shoes? So you have a real tricky situation. So what I learned to say is, I say, listen, I am just so not good at this because you look great in everything. But, you know, if, if I had to make a decision, I think those shoes probably go better with that skirt. I would probably say that. But I really, I really don't know because, like, again, I'm just so biased because like, like, everything looks good. I, I actually do this, by the way. <laughs> but then you get set up for a trap. Okay, and here's the trap. And I, you know, I warn guys about this. Here's the trap. Does this make me look fat? Okay. There's only one right answer to that question. Okay. Nothing makes her look fat. Nothing. Okay. Absolutely nothing. Okay. So, um, yeah. So the only thing I'll say is... I'll say, you should never ask that. Thing. Yeah. Just don't ask that question. Okay. Because it's a total trap and uh, they, they can't win. You can't win. You can't win that. So the answer is not... It's, I say, no, nothing. You know, that one's probably a little more thinning. That, that much I'll say. That's a little more thinning, but nothing ever makes you look bad. No, absolutely not. Okay, so that's kind of like one area, which guys, again, clothing, dressing, shopping, they just don't get, and it's something that, as I said, if you set the expectation for them and they understand a little bit better that this is a world that they need to understand better, uh, usually, again, it smooths things, and there's less, like, what's going on over here, and that creates friction and problems. Okay. Now, I'm sorry, say that again? So I started off before you walked in. I was saying that, that when you set expectations uh, for what things are like in anything in life, when one has expectations, it makes things smoother when they know what to expect. And if there's realistic expectations, uh, that helps things. If there's unrealistic expectations, that leads to disappointment okay? in anything in life. So... We talked about the idea of setting expectations for a guy to understand a little bit better uh, about women 
so that it's easier when they transition from their single, more selfish life to marriage. And again, it goes really both ways, but again, I speak to guys more, and I try to, based on, again, the information I've gotten from Rabbeim and from Svarim and from secular books that I mentioned earlier, uh, to try to help set the uh, expectations what they should be. Go ahead. Are the expectations you have? So, give me an example. Like with the shopping, like I'm, I'm not one to like go shopping for clothes. And, yeah. And so like, yeah. So again, so again, every everybody is different, you know. So it's kind of a little dangerous to sort of you know give a, uh, you know, one set way that that's how it works for everyone, um, but. Again, to understand that this is a possible thing. It's like I mentioned earlier, not everyone throws up you know, when they see their husband, uh, but it could, it could happen. So it's a, it's a general statement, but it can't be taken to mean this is the way everybody is. Okay, yes? So in that case, would you say it's like, from your like our job to like, set the expectations? I, inevitably, every relationship is, is case by case. So you're going to have, everyone's, whether it's the guy or the girl, you're going to have certain ways that you like to do things, certain ways that you see the world, and that has to become a, you know, a conversation. Uh, so you, you set certain standards or general statements with the understanding that things are specific. You know? For example, if someone said, you know, like, you know, Beisiakov girls really you know, don't know a lot about sports. Okay, if someone has said something, well, my wife happens to know more about football probably than, than almost you know, any, any guy for that matter. Right? So, okay, so everybody's different, but there are some general, general things which, again, you say, be aware that this could be the case. Okay? Although I agree with you, it's not always every single person is the same way. So it's more like, like where women are responsible for shaping the gray into a black and white. Okay, you can say it that way. Okay, okay yeah. Can I make an analogy to the opening closet and not having like, any clothes to wear? It's kind of like when you open the fridge and it's full of food, but there's nothing to eat. <laughs> that's so good. That's really, really good. It's so true, right? That's great because I, I I can really relate to that. Like, like you just helped me a lot. I really I really get it. That's perfect. Thank you. <laughs> I'm going to use that. I am definitely going to use that. Okay. Now, um, as I mentioned earlier, how a guy speaks to a guy has to be different the way he speaks to a girl. And that's something that it's important that we, Rabbeim and Hassan teachers and marriage workshop uh, type of people, uh, have to convey that you have to speak uh, a little different. And this is really something that Roy Friedlander writes in his book, Yadatak Yisham Mahalecha. And this is what he says. He says that Hashem grace women with great sensitivity, with feeling and emotion, and that has to be taken into consideration when communicating. So, you know, people say that men don't feel emotions. It's not true. Sometimes we feel hungry, okay? So we also have emotions. Okay, but seriously, the Gemara and Yavamas, just to sort of back where this is coming from, interesting idea, the Gemara and Yavamas on Samach Beis, Amit Beis, says the following, says that one who loves his wife as himself and, and is mechabed her more than himself. So upon him it says, v'yadata ki shalom ohalecha, that it will be known that that person is dwelling in his tent in peace. Okay, so Rashi questions that why do you have to say more than himself? 
Why does he have to machabed and honor his wife more than himself? What happened to Kamocha? Bahafta Lareacha Kamocha. Should machabed her like yourself. Why is it more than yourself? Why must a husband machabed his wife more than himself? So he says, because Rashi brings down, he says, because she feels maybe more embarrassment and more of an insult than perhaps a man would. But th- there's an idea here that Rabbi Friedlander explains. What, what does that really mean? What's that all about? He says, very good, there's a famous Gemara with Hillel that someone came to him and said, teach me all of Torah standing on one foot. And he said, fine. He said, what is hateful to you, do not do to someone else. So the implication of that is, but if it's not hateful to you, then it's okay to do it to someone else. He says, that's not true for someone's wife, though. Why? Because if she is more sensitive than maybe you are, so then if it's not hateful to you, that doesn't mean it's not hateful to her. So therefore, in order to be able to, to compensate and make sure that you don't say the wrong thing, so then you have to machabed her more than yourself. Because what you would feel is not hateful, don't think that that's okay then to do it to her. Because if she is more sensitive, then she will be upset. And therefore, you have to machabed her even more than yourself. And that's why the, the, the Chazal say in that way that there's a need to understand that there's a different sensitivity in how she's going to receive something than perhaps maybe you would. And this is also based on a Gemara in Baba Metzia on Nun Tesamut Aleph. says that a person has to be especially careful with Onas Devarim in saying harsh comments to one's wife. The Gemara says, because since her tears are, are quicker to come, therefore the punishment is quicker to come to the perpetrator. So there's this concept that you could say certain things to a guy it's no big deal, it's a joke, or you didn't mean it, or I'm just joking, but understand that you have to be a little more sensitive when it comes to such comments in speaking to women. And one of the things, so that's in general how a guy speaks to a wife. We, we have to ex- explain to him that you cannot speak to a girl the same way you're going to speak to your guys, because for him it's no big deal. You, you, know, you joke around with each other, you rib each other, you tease each other, you, you don't even insult one another. Okay, it's not always well received when it's the female gender. Is it the same way? Is it the same way? You tell me. Uh-huh. <laughs> like, yeah, like we have to be careful about how we speak to men, or can we expect them to respond emotionally in the same way that we're communicating? So again, obviously, the, the comments have to be tailored to, let's say, someone who is less sensitive, right? Let's say someone who is less sensitive. Maybe you need to introduce the idea and help the guy be more sensitive to the conversation or the topic that you're discussing because he's not going to pick up on it because he doesn't have that sensitivity, right? So it's a different way that you would have to sort of bring him out of insensitive mode to be more sensitive and more understanding or more feeling, Okay, could be. I would say maybe it might be more of a sneers thing, like, I don't know, so like, loudly, I don't know. It, it could be. Depends all totally on the situation and the conversation. So, again, it's hard to generalize, but I could see that that making sense, that if a, if, a, if a guy is less sensitive to a certain thing, then there's a need to explain that in such a way that he'll become, you know, more sensitized to it. Okay? So, now, one of the things in the workshops I talk about is fair fighting how to fight fairly. And the reason is because if you think that a good marriage is where you don't fight, then that's an unrealistic expectation. Okay? There, 
are fights. A good marriage is not a marriage that does not have fights. It's a marriage that they learn to fight respectfully. Okay? So we never fought. Someone tells me I never fought with my wife. I'm saying, like, you're la la land. It's just ridiculous. Of course, you can have disagreements. You can see things differently, whether it's raising your kids or finances or a host of other things. But how do you... So that's one of the things we spend a lot of time in the workshop is how do you fight fairly? How do you fight respectfully? And... Is fight the word better? Argue. Discuss. But I, I, I hear what you're saying, but I'll correct you. I'll correct you. Compromise is what you do after you have shared your ideas. So maybe fight is perhaps, you know, I'm being a little bit over-dramatizing it, but you argue about an issue. You disagree about an issue. And how do you voice your disagreement? How do you share your side? How does he share his side? At the end, you hopefully come to a compromise based on hearing each other out, respectfully disagreeing, and in this marriage workshop, we have, we have like whole things where we actually act out fighting. Like whatever. That was one of the things that was very fun with Reverend Conan and I is that we actually, I was like, was into drama, but where, where was I going to do that? So I wrote all these skits and you know, she was a great sport. She went a lot. We, we acted out all these skits of how, how to fight and we had the, the participants do it. It was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. My kids helped me uh, actually video some of them. We have to show so videos of these fighting. Anyway, back to this here. So just in understanding this idea of how to argue, uh, how to disagree in a respectful way. So there's a Pasuk in Mishle. The Pasuk in Mishle says, the Parakal Pasuk Tezvav, says, Ma'anerach Yashiv Chema. This applies to guys, girls, makes no difference. A soft answer turns away wrath. Right? That when you respond, let's say someone starts to heat things up and it escalates, and you respond in a soft way, Right away, that sort of like kind of turns the temperature down. So that in general, when, you know, the flame starts, you know, rising and the, you know, things get heated. So, So one of the problems I have with my wife is that we're both very passionate, very strong-willed-minded people. So sometimes we get a little argument and things would get a little bit heated. So it was very interesting. What we started to do at one point is I said, you know what, we're really not being respectful to each other. So, so we used to have text fighting. I'm not joking. We used to there text, you know, we used to do something across the room and be like. <laughs> See, but it was good because we couldn't interrupt each other. <laughs> so we got to say what we wanted to say. And there was no tone of voice and there was no like anger. Like, you know, and then after a while, I was like, we didn't really need to do that anymore because we could do it respectfully. Uh, but keeping the temperature down is, is always a very important thing. And just kind of picking up on what the Rambam, the Rambam sort of bases on the Gemara we said above. It says, That a person should his wife more, talking about from the men's side again, because that's what we're telling the men, how they should act when they are speaking to women. And, Don't try to put upon her like, you know, like this, like, fear. Speak with her softly. Speak with her softly. Don't be depressed and sad around Around her, below rods, don't be like an angry kind of person. Okay, that's very, very important, the Rambam says, in that relationship. And we know, even from the Pasuk, when Moshe was told to tell over some of the hardcore halachas and things about the Torah, it says, Yisrael. Kosomar, you should say over to the Beneis, to the, um, excuse me, to, yeah, to the, uh, to Beis Yaakov, Kosomar Yaakov, 
So it says somar, the word of Amira, it's a soft language. Beis Yaakov Rashi brings down, means denotes women. You have to speak to them in a gentle language. Whereas it comes to the men, v'sageid, it could be a tough, it could be tougher the way you speak to Bnei Yisrael. You speak to the men, Moshe was told, say it like it is, be tough, be blunt, you know, make your point. Because some are the but Hashem tells Moshe, when you're speaking to the Beis Yaakov, you're speaking to the women, do it in Lashon of Amira, in a gentle way, because that's the way it's going to be accepted. Okay? And this is the idea of, you tell a guy, you can't talk to her like you talk to your chavrusa or your roommate, right? You have to have ways of speaking in a soft way if it's going to be heard. So there's actually a great Gemara, the Gemara in Masech uh, Shabbos, so it brings a story where Rav Yosef noticed that his wife was lighting candles like too close to Shabbos. She was like getting very close and it was risking violating Shabbos. So he could have told her <clears throat> straight out, you know, new, you know, got to light candles earlier. What's going on here? You might be violating Shabbos. It's Isra Skila. What are you doing? Right? Well, you can imagine that probably would not have worked well. But this is what he did say to her. My Freelander you know, quotes this as a way of showing how if you say things the right way, in a way that it can be heard, in a gentle way, you're going to be successful. If you do it in a way that's not going to be heard, not only are you not successful, but you are actually creating a lot of problems. So what he said was, he said to his wife, he said in a gentle way, he says, you know, in the desert, Hashem always made sure that the pillar of fire came well before nightfall, nightfall excuse me, well before nightfall, to replace the pillar of cloud. So the pillar of fire was always there well before nightfall. And that we should emulate Hashem in that way to make sure that we have the fire there early so before it becomes nightfall in order to, to do that. And that was a gentle way to say it and it was something that was successful. Obviously to be critical is not going to be successful. So which brings me to the next topic, criticism. So I was looking around and I found this uh, on H.com that there's an article, you can look it up, it says 10 things women wished men knew. 10 things women wished men knew. And they have the 10 things that men wish women knew. Can you look at that? So one of them is what I, I want to focus on. <clears throat> so one of them is this. And this is what uh, this woman writes. She writes, we do not grow and change through criticism. You may have convinced yourself that you are telling us for our own good, but you're wrong because it's hurtful and ineffective. Like children and plants, we grow best when nourished, nurtured, and loved. Okay, this is what she wants men to know about women. So now, there's, that's a good point because John Gottman, in his book on marriage, spends a lot of time talking about criticism and how to criticize it's a famous thing, if you ever read his books, he talks about the four horsemen that destroy marriages. Okay, the four horsemen. Criticism, contempt, defensiveness, and stonewalling. Okay, criticism, I'm going to explain that in a moment. Contempt, also explain. Defensiveness, I think we can understand what that is. Stonewalling is when you just kind of just ignore the person. You just like, just don't respond. It's like, and sometimes that's okay, by the way. But if you do it too often, it's not a good relationship. So these are the four horsemen. He spends time. Again, you can, you can uh, Google it. You'll see what I'm talking about. But the one thing he says is the most detrimental, which he calls the single greatest predictor of divorce, is contempt. He says that can, cannot be in a relationship. 
So I'm going to explain to you now the difference. This is one of the things we do in the workshop. Is we talk about complaint, criticism, and contempt. So I'll explain it, and then we'll give a couple examples, and you can tell me which one's which. All right? <clears throat> okay. Complaint is... Actually, I have a little thing here. Okay. Complaint is limited to one situation, is direct, and it says how you feel. I'm complaining to you. It's this situation. This is how I feel. Okay? For the most part, if it's done right, that's reasonable. You can complain about things. You don't have to love everything that's going on in life and in relationships. Probably won't like everything that's going on. So that's a complaint. Okay, so example of that is, <clears throat> I was scared when you were running late and didn't call me. I thought we had agreed that we would do that for each other. Complaint. Criticism. Criticism is more global, usually involves blaming the other person, and involves words like always and never. So here's an example of that. You never think about how your behavior is affecting other people. I don't believe you are that forgetful. You're just selfish. You never think of others. You never think of me. Okay? That is criticism. Not good. But even worse than that is if there's contempt. And Gottman says this is a single biggest predictor of divorce. And that is when it's character assass assassination, a verbal character assassination where you're showing a position of moral superiority over the other person, okay? And it attacks the person's character. So here's an example given, again, I took off line. <clears throat> You're tired? Cry me like a river. I've been with the kids all day, running around like mad to keep this house going, and all you do when you come home from work is flop down on that sofa like a child and play those idiotic video games. I don't have time to deal with another child. Could you be any more pathetic? Get it? Contempt. Okay, that's pretty bad. So I'm going to give you a couple examples. You tell me what falls under these categories. Okay, here we go. Okay. <clears throat> I'm upset that you did not pay the phone bill. Complaint. Complaint. Okay, good. How can I ever trust you? I've got to put the hand on the hip. <laughs> What's that? <clears throat> Complaint, criticism, or contempt. Good, I think so. You are completely irresponsible. Okay, I can see, I can see that being contempt, criticism. Uh, <clears throat> yeah, probably, uh, probably more contempt. I should have known you would pull something like that. Which one? Huh? Okay, good follow you there. You are just terrible with the kids. <laughs> When we do not go out together, I feel like you just don't like me. Complain. Okay. Don't interrupt. Criticism. Criticism. Okay. You just never care about how I feel. Okay. I'd say probably that's criticism. Here, you'll see the difference. Leave it to you to mess up our plans. See, that's contempt, right? You get the idea here? Don't tell me you don't know any better. Right? That, that's a superior, right? I'm, I'm moral superiority over you. I am sick and tired of your behavior. Right? Contempt. When you don't listen to me, I feel unimportant. Okay. You get the idea here. We tell the answer, I know. You jerk. Okay. How about this one? You're just like your mother. 
That's a good one. Okay. So, I'll tell you something interesting, though, because what you notice is that, this is something that I'll spend time in the marriage workshop talking about, is that if you put things in terms of you, usually you're running into a criticism that's not going to be successful. If you talk in terms of I, I feel this way, generally, that's a complaint that's going to get a good response. So this is one of the exercises I do with, with the, the marriage workshop. But I'll give you an example of this here. Okay. You don't care about me. Right? Versus saying, I feel like you don't care about me. Or you're lying. Versus I find it hard to believe what you're saying. All right? You always let me down. Versus I'm disappointed. So watch what happens here. These are a couple examples here. This versus this, ready? You are so wrong. What kind of response is that going to get? Defensive and angry, right? Really? And what makes you think I'm wrong? And are you always right? right? That's right. Automatically, that, that triggers that. Or <clears throat> how about if you say, like, I disagree? I disagree. What is that going to evoke? Why? Why? There's a conversation, okay? Here's another example. Okay, marriage related. You never go on walks with me anymore. What, what, what's the response going to be? Annoyed. Annoyed. What, what, what might the spouse say? You never go on walks with me. Or actually, just last week we went on a walk. Did you forget? Okay. And whose fault is that? If you get off the phone with your mother all the time, maybe we go on walks. Right? That's what happens. Okay. But if you say... You know, I really miss those walks we used to go on. Now what happens? <laughs> right? Something like that. You see? So, so this is like a really important thing is that when you want to voice your disagreement, you want to argue, maybe even fight. So there's just a little trick of how to make sure that it's a legitimate, respectful complaint versus a criticism. Because as this lady says, criticisms generally don't work. Okay. Um, one more thing. Let's, uh, just maybe I'll touch on one other thing. And if, uh, if we want, maybe we could do a part two of this at a different time because there's so much to talk about. But as we're telling a guy, you know, he has to understand a girl a little bit better. So one of the things is the fact that we'll say, you know, a woman is a more sensitive to certain things. So, for example, okay, and you have to be respectful of that and not criticize it. Okay, what's an example of a, of a woman being, let's say, more sensitive, a little bit more fearful, a little more concerned? Okay, an example is when her child doesn't come home on time or her husband doesn't come home on time. And he walks in the door. I, I was so worried about you. You were supposed to be home an hour ago. And like, he'll be like, what's the big deal? Like, you know, I was talking to my friends. You know, whatever. We were learning a little bit extra. We got involved in, like, a conversation. Like, like you have know, to think, like, I got, like, you know, to a car accident. Or like, like what, what are you, like, freaking out so much? And she, and, and that, that's, like, a terrible thing. It's a very hurtful thing to say. Because, like, I care about you. And I, you know, I want to, I just was worried. So if a guy goes and belittles that, say, what's the big deal? Just relax. Every time I go out, if I'm late, it doesn't mean I, like, you know, like, something bad happened. That's very insensitive. And you have to understand it, that she is more fearful, more concerned, then you have to check in. 
and give a call if you think you're going to be late, or text, or, you know, or WhatsApp, whatever it is, and make sure, or try not to be late if you know she's worried. Okay? And this goes for children to, to their mother, too. Right? It's not just, right? It's both ways. Text. Say, oh, they're going to worry about you, as your parents worry about their children. So even focus on children. Be respectful of that. It's not, don't belittle that. Uh, be understanding. Don't be late. If you're going to be late, make sure you let them know. Okay? That makes them feel like much better. And fear of bugs, blood, gross things. Okay? So a guy, eh, no big deal. You know, bug, who cares, right? You know, she said, kill the bug. Kill the bug. You mean kill the bug. They don't bite. <laughs> I, I, I'm scared of it. It's a centipede. You know, by the way, centipedes, they don't have 100 legs. There's only 60. I don't care if only have 60. I'm scared about it. I could kill the thing. No, you should care about it. Only, that's 40 less legs you have to worry about crawling on you. Right? So, yeah. So, again, so a guy will be like, you know, what's the big deal? But, like, again, you say to him, we have to say to him, no, it is a big deal. She is a little more concerned. She is a more sensitive like that. So you have to be concerned to make sure <clears throat> that you're not being insensitive, and that's something a guy has to understand. Uh, including me. So I remember <clears throat> one time a bird flew into the chimney, okay, and the flu, that little trap thing was opened. So, so it's the problem. So my wife said, you know, like, you know, oh my gosh, the bird's going to come into this house. It's flapping around inside the chimney. I'm like, don't worry. I took the screen and I put it in front of the, the fireplace. So this way the, the bird, if it came down, it would be stuck behind the fire, the, 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 uh, the screen. She's like, you're not leaving this house with that bird in there. I'm like, no, it's okay, because I put the screen in front of the fireplace. The bird, if it comes down, it won't go anywhere. It's fine. You're not leaving this house with that bird and that thing. I said, I'm telling you, it's going to be fine. So me, Mr. Insensitive, I left the house, and the bird came down, and guess what? It pushed the screen, and it flew into the house. I was toast. It was just really bad, you know, when I came back. You see? I told you. So... Again, even um, after years of marriage, you still have to remember, you know, the very things that I'm sort of telling other guys about. Um, just to kind of close, again, there's, there's a, a whole section I have here just about listening and how to listen properly. Um, but we'll say that again maybe for a different time. Uh, we certainly tell guys is that uh, there's a great advantage of the fact that a woman is more sensitive and does have a, of a more of a feel of what a home should look like and what things look nice and seder and orderliness and, and just, uh, again, that sensitivity uh, and the bini yaseira that comes with that sensitivity. Um, so you tell a guy, you say, you know what? You're going to be a much better person because of your relationship with your wife uh, because she is going to bring things to your life that you would not be able to have otherwise because there are certain things that come with that nature that are beneficial in so many areas. Uh, and again, just a couple simple ones is just a, a muna pshuta. Okay, it's not uncommon to see that, that, that women just have a certain muna uh, that it's a little bit harder for men. And again, not everybody's the same way. Some men are very, you know, full of muna pshuta, and some women have a very hard time. Uh, but, but in general, in, in, in a general sense, uh, there's a certain uh, amuna pshuta uh, that we see from the fact that, uh, you know, through the, through the women, Noshim Sidkanios, Klai Yisrael was saved. They were redeemed uh, just because they were able to kind of deal with the difficulties of Mitzrayim and encourage and not let things get them down, even in the very difficult times. You know, that's a chazal. We should know Noshim Sidkanios, Niglu Abu Mitzrayim. 
Okay? That's because they had that, and the men didn't have that. And you see it plays out in so many other situations. Uh, that's one thing. Again, the Bini Yaseira, to understand people, to understand their nature, like the Gemara says in Brachas, that women have a better understanding of guests and their nature and what they're like. And there's a certain Bina, Bini Yaseira, that women have more than men. And that comes with being more sensitive and being a little bit more understanding and in touch with certain things. So tell guys, at the end of the day, by having that relationship and by being able to take advantage of what that nature brings, uh, it helps a person be more whole, and uh, that's certainly the way Hashem wanted it to be. So uh, that's it for now, but uh, hopefully, and again, if, if anything I said here is what I shouldn't be telling guys or we shouldn't be telling guys, definitely feel free to share. We certainly want them to hear uh, the right thing so they have good expectations, realistic expectations, and not have disappointment. Okay. You're welcome. No problem. My pleasure. All right.